every OEM now has to earn money with the connected cars and for sure the first thing will be monetize the data we have. Hello and a very warm welcome to this, our second series of transformation stories from the award-winning Valtech Cafe. Last year, we spoke to more than 25 global brands and industry experts about their experiences of digital transformation. And this series is no different. From airlines to retailers, manufacturers to healthcare companies, this is a podcast series that strips away the digital buzzwords and challenges what we all thought we knew about our industry. Covering topics from the circular economy to customer experience, emerging tech to composable architectures, we're removing the filters and getting to the bottom of what's really going on in digital today. I'm Tizzy Philp, and welcome to the podcast. As we kick off a new year, we're looking ahead to the mobility and automotive trends that are going to be making their mark over the next 12 months and beyond. Building on another year of exciting changes and updates for the industry, I'm joined by two of Valtech's leading mobility experts, Denny Pezic and Norman Palmhoff, to bring us up to speed with the changes and trends we're seeing and set to accelerate into the next year. From electrification to new market entrants, data to smart cities, we've got lots to cover in a very short amount of time. So Denny, Norman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Let's kick off with some introductions first. I gave a very, very brief overview of your names there. So, Denny, let's start with you. It'd be great if you could give us an introduction. Who are you? Sure. Thank you, Tizzy. Denny Pezic, I spent the last 20 years or so in the digital agency and consultancy space with a focus on automotive industry specifically before I ended up joining the client side, actually, where I headed up the customer journey team for Kia Motors America. Uh, I joined Valtech about a year ago as the global lead for automotive and mobility to work with our regional teams in continuously delivering best-in-class solutions and insights to our clients in that very fast-changing mobility sector. Thanks, Denny, and we love having you. Norman, how about you? Yeah, thank you for having me. So my name is Norman. I'm a Valtech grown-up, so I'm here for 11 <laughs> years now. <laughs> So I joined right after my studies at the university, started as a developer, did all the roles we have here at Valtech in Germany or Valtech Mobility as PO account manager, business development I did. And yeah, since 2013, I'm really focused on Chinese projects and I'm doing the international rollout for Valtech Mobility here. Yeah, and since 2017, I'm really supporting um, the build-up of the team in China. So we started with uh, three people working in connected car projects there. Today, we have over 50. And here, we have big plans for the next year to grow there. And yeah, basically, I'm responsible for internationalization products, new business, and marketing at Valtech Mobility. So no small role for you either, Norman. Welcome. It's great to have you both with us. And I know that when we were doing the preparation for this discussion, I filled up multiple pages of writing with all of the things that we've got to cover. So without too much preamble, I'm going to jump straight into this discussion of the trends, as I know we've got limited time and lots to talk about. So perhaps we can kick off, though, with a summary of the last year, just to bring everyone back up to the level playing field of what's gone on over the last 12 months. So Denny, what really stood out to you, would you say? 
Yeah, you know, you, you really can't look at what's been going on in the automotive and mobility sector this last year or two years without looking at the broad impact of COVID. You know, how it has accelerated some of the trends that were already in place and maybe a little bit decelerated some other ones for specific reasons. But uh, what really stood out to me is kind of like how the industry as a whole was very resilient in this whole situation because of what it really means for people. So personal transportation and the safety or perceived safety that it provides really kind of like kept the industry going. And within that, however, we still also saw impacts of COVID on specific parts within the industry that they needed to address to to be more in place where users needed them to be. So what I mean with that is a lot of stuff had to happen from home. And so a lot of things moved into the digital space for the automotive and mobility sector as well. Specifically for automotive, we had obviously transition from a lot of the retail experiences and the interactions with the consumer across the whole journey into the digital space, being able to remotely do things that beforehand were always done in the physical space. So so that for me really stood out. But uh, also in parallel, I think what was really interesting to see is how it kind of like had a positive impact on the electrification part of the trends that we saw. I, I think with the whole connectivity between COVID and clean air and all that, we saw a pretty good boost in the electric vehicle preference out there and uh, we've seen new entrants coming in so that's really nice there too and then finally i think uh, on the mobility side we had maybe a little bit of a break initially with regards to the car sharing element or other mobility services but at the end of this year we've seen that picking up again too and and really a lot of uh, headways making with new ideas popping up and, and new solutions being out there for consumers a great introduction into some of the things that we're going to talk about there. Norman, any additional things from you that have really stood out over the last 12 months? Yeah, I think Delhi is absolutely right. So for sure, there was a big impact in COVID in behaviors and things. But on the other hand, the demand for online services for connected cars yeah, stayed there as it was. So in terms of project and things we have to do, there was no big impact, to be honest. So we are working hard uh, all the time, the whole year, especially for the connected car. The demand was even bigger than before. So there was no impact on this side on COVID, but I agree with Danny in the behavior and that it was an accelerator for this whole thing. So I absolutely agree there. And for sure, um, talking about industry developments, so I think there was the kickoff in the last year for having electrified vehicles in the mass market. So that's really starting now. We see a lot of models coming, a lot of uh, productions increase. And so that was really, the for me, the first year where we really see the kickoff in the mass market for the electrified vehicles. So I mentioned there in the introduction, we've got these major trends to cover on our agenda. So I'm going to kick off with the first one, which Denny's already touched on, as have you, Norman, and that is trend one, electrification of the industry. What are we seeing now and what are you expecting us to see much more of in 2022? Yeah, what we see now that, so I can talk a lot of VWS, we're working very, very closely with VW, and that's still the biggest car manufacturer in the world. So we see more and more vehicles coming electrified. So we are seeing combustion vehicles disappearing from the market and more and more electrified vehicles enter the market. And there's a lot of money 
put into this whole ecosystem to really enable the people using electrified vehicles, talking about the vehicles on the one side. On the other hand, we need all the infrastructure. We need charging points. There's a lot of technology where they're looking for opportunities to charge faster things like that. So that's really changing at the moment. There's a lot of money in there. On the other hand, uh, all the OEMs are really looking for new ways to earn money. So far, the connected car was yeah, just spending money for connecting cars and connecting people, uh, offering services to enhance the life of the car and the usage of the car. And now it's really changing because they really have to see how to earn money with that. So they're really looking for opportunities to gain revenue um, from this connected car, which is quite a different approach in the past. For sure, there were subscriptions model, uh, subscription models for different services. But that was not barely covering the cost, to be honest. So that's really the case. They're looking for new ways of earning money here. And for example, the VW Group really has the goal in 2030 to earn at least 30% of the revenue out of digital services and not from selling cars. That's yeah, quite a big change in this industry here. That's a big shift, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Danny, we talked a lot last year, actually, just carrying on in this electrification trend. We talked a lot about this move of mobility companies, OEMs, from a services and infrastructure position or from a products position to a services position. What does electrification of the industry mean in, in that context for, for companies going forward? Yeah, so Norm already touched a little bit on it, right? It's like when we look at the car industry as a whole right now with ICE, there is a lot really tight for them with regards to not just the OEMs themselves, but their wider network, the distributors, the retailers and so forth, with the servicing of the car and really how how that ecosystem with the consumer on an ongoing basis exists. So if you buy a car and you have it for five years, the purchase of the car itself is a very short moment in that, but the ongoing relationship really exists around servicing and that is changing substantially here. And so OEMs together with the retailers are trying to figure out kind of like how can that ecosystem shift and persist for them in, in new ways? And, and Norm touched on that. What are services and what are opportunities to bring into that space now through the electric vehicle and the capabilities there? I think it also changes a little bit how the consumer itself and who the consumer is within that. We, we have different price points for electric vehicles than we have oftentimes for the regular ICE engines and they're higher overall. So it also shifts a little bit around how the industry speaks to consumer and who they're actually really talking to. When it comes to electrification, I'm seeing a lot more electric vehicles on the on the roads, but I'm still not seeing that many. And it's surely still coming down to a price point issue. Like they are still incredibly expensive. How much of it do you think is around how much these e-vehicles are costing versus the infrastructure, the city-based infrastructure available for people? I think it's both. You know, one piece is the cost, but like I said, there. There's still enough consumers that do want to buy electric vehicle from that price point standpoint where they're at today. But yes, you're right. Uh, lower income ones are going to have struggle initially, and, and it is kind of like a barrier for them to get to there. But I think as more entrants come in, as we have more vehicles being produced in that line, the prices are going to come down as well. There's advancements being made in the battery technology that's going to help with that and so forth. 
But on the other side, yes, there is still a hesitancy on the consumer side as well with regards to range anxiety and things like that, with regards to where can I actually charge up my vehicle, how long is it going to take, and so forth. And a lot of that is going to have to happen around better education of the consumer with regards to those issues that really they're not as big as they're oftentimes perceived. And number two, we are going to see a fast expansion of those networks as well. I mean, in the US, we saw right now with Biden really coming in and and making a big commitment in building out that infrastructure. And in Europe, we're seeing very similar moves by countries as well. Everybody is kind of like ready and knows now that the move in that direction is going to happen. Is it going to happen within five years, 10 years? We're still to be seen and where, but we're definitely seeing all the parties involved. So from consumer all the way to governments and the providers in between are more and more embracing it and moving in that direction fast. I definitely think that the consumer demand is there. As you say, I for one would love an electric vehicle, but the cost point at the moment is just too tricky. And leading nicely into the next question and the next trend is the emergence of new entrants, which might help to uh, increase competition and, and bring down that price point a little bit. The emergence of new market entrants. And Denny, what are we seeing happening as a result of this shift to electrification? Yeah, there's a lot actually happening, right? On one end, building an electric vehicle is overall easier or less of a barrier of entry for new players because of less parts that are really in there. Around 10,000 or less for electric vehicles, over 30,000 for ICE engines. So we are seeing much smaller player coming in and actually producing electric vehicles of all kinds of shapes and sizes and also price points. So that is a good thing. We are going to see much, much cheaper electric vehicles come in. We're seeing even some of the big OEMs looking at the electric vehicle and the capabilities around it in a different way, again, especially in urban spaces. I I think Citroën with their AMI is a great example where it's a very low cost electric vehicle, doesn't go too fast, but it's great for just the urban needs. It's really great and, and opens up a lot of doors. And that increased competition, both within the existing players and new ones coming in, is obviously also going to drive really innovation and changes to the approaches. At the same time, we're also seeing changes happening with regards to how electric vehicles can really enable the mobility trend that we've seen previously, right? We've had mobility as a service a little bit hampered with COVID, but it's picking up again because of where you can charge it or where you need to charge it, but also the inherent capabilities within the vehicle are going to really shift over in how we're owning vehicles or how people will own vehicles. I think that is a big trend that we'll see really change in the next five to 10 years. The shared ownership or the short-term subscription element is, is really tied to that as well. I was just going to say, on that point, Denny, sorry to interrupt you there, but on that point, do you think it's just COVID that has meant that that, that trend that we expect, you know, we talked about it in the trends report that we did last year in this podcast, the equivalent podcast last year, we talked about the emergence of, you know, shared ownership and uh, subscription models, and those didn't take off at the speed that we thought they would. Is that just down to COVID or is that down to something else? No, it's not just down to COVID. Like I said, I think COVID did not start really any trends and COVID did not really stop trends. It accelerated some and it slowed some other ones down. In general, with everything that's going on, with uh, safety technology coming in, electrification and so forth, we are going to see vehicles become, I think, more expensive. And, and it is going to be an issue in general with how can people really own it. I think in general also younger generations are tending to look at ownership differently and expectations that they have with regards to 
ownership or integration with uh, and, and the relationships with companies are different for them. So the whole idea of kind of like all-inclusive packages, and I know upfront really what I'm going to pay for and how long I'm going to pay for it and the convenience around that knowledge and that system is driving continuously new ideas in how car ownership can look. And, and we're seeing new companies really emerge around just that model in itself as well. We're also seeing other trends continue from beforehand, which is kind of like the Uber ideas and so forth, where, where individuals can really own more than just the car for themselves, but then as a sub-business idea as well, right? So transportation as a service on a small scale there, and now that expanding with electric vehicle again as well, and autonomous vehicle as well, into larger transport capabilities and transport as a service offerings as well. So no, COVID was an accelerator, but it's not the main driver. It's really technology that is driving a lot, and it's really the digitization of the consumer or the world as a whole that is driving a lot of the changes there. The capabilities that we have with regards to really making whole workflows, private or company workflows and models work through digital means and technology. That's a very good point, Denny, or lots of very good points. But Norman, I want to come to you here as part of the work that you do, because I don't think any person that loves driving, and I mentioned this in the series last year, I don't think any person that loves driving can look at an electric vehicle in the same way when it comes to the feel of driving, you know, the roar of the engine, <laughs> the, ex- the kick of the acceleration and the sound it makes and changing gear and, you know, the, the thrill of driving. And when we're talking about all of the digitization of the industry, that's all about improving the customer experience. But when it comes down to it, driving is about the driving customer experience, or is it about the 15 minute commute every day. How do you how do you begin to replicate that? Talking about acceleration, you're always better with an electrified vehicle than with a combustion engine, right? <clears throat> so even with the smallest electrified vehicles, you have acceleration like you have in a Porsche. So that's quite interesting. We had a customer uh, two years ago with Ego. They were producing a pretty small electrified vehicle uh, for the city. It has only a range of 100 kilometers. What's really for the use case for the city. And on the traffic light, you're always better than any car you see. Even a Porsche you can beat with this small electrified vehicle. So from this point of view, you have quite the thrill you need, right? On the other hand, I really think it will be much more use case based. So for a long trip, maybe you will need a big car where you can put in your whole family, your luggage and things like that. But for a shorter distance, why you need for seats? So to commute to your work, you don't need four seats to commute, right? And I think the factor which will really accelerate uh, this trend is the convenience, uh, like Danny already mentioned. So for sure, uh, people are open to subscription models, but... To have a car when you need it, so I know, okay, I need a car in 30 minutes, there should be a way to get this car. And you don't want to have five subscriptions and you search in five different apps, which car you can get for which price and things like that. So you really have to enhance this user experience and you have to have a convenient ride. And that's the thing which will really accelerate this trend and i think we will have more specified vehicles like danny already described we have truck as a service we have an example like volta and they are offering trucks 
as a service. So if you have delivery into a city like Paris or London, they really will only allow electrified trucks to enter the city. And they offer really a system, even for a company which is delivering goods into a city, you don't have to own any vehicle anymore with this kind of models. And this is quite a interesting trend, which will, in the end, will overtake the feeling of driving for sure there. People will have emotions driving around, thinking of the history when they had their first car and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I think with this younger generation, Danny already mentioned, um, this will somehow change because if you ever... Uh, learn driving on an electrified vehicle, you don't miss any combustion engine, right? So I think that's that's something which will take time for sure. It's it's a question of generation, but we will see that this electrified vehicles will be there, and there will be more electrified vehicles than combustion engines in the end, even on the truck segment. We see. Yeah, that's super interesting. And especially that truck element and that last mile delivery into the cities. I know London in particular with the new legislation means that you can't actually, you can barely drive anywhere in, in London now. Even if you live there, it's, you know, you have to pay money to, to leave your driveway. So it is becoming increasingly difficult to to live in a city with a combustion engine, as you say. And also, as you say, we have a much more conscious consumer now and uh, the younger generations are care much more about you know, they grow up, they've grown up knowing about the impact that's happening to the environment. And so it, it's the natural and obvious choice for them to, to go electric as well. Like many of us uh, who are also considering the thing, just waiting to be able to afford something. With all of these developments, we also know that data plays a massive part of all of these, these trends and developments in the industry. So let's talk about our final trend in more detail, which is monetization of customer data and the focus on customer experience beyond the car itself. So Norman, I'm going to come back to you to kick us off again here. Yeah, data is for sure, and especially the monetization of data. I think that's one of the biggest questions all the OEMs have today. So, so far, everybody wanted to collect data. So in each project, they're asking, okay, how can we collect data? So what kind of data can we collect? And everybody was collecting data. And now everybody has data. So talking about OEMs or uh, car manufacturers. And now they have really to think, how can we monetize that? So for sure, there are a lot of ideas. You can start with advertisement, but for sure, especially on the premium segment, nobody wants to do advertising in the car, especially not while driving, because talking about uh, driver distraction, that's a big topic. As long as we, uh, we, we don't have this autonomous cars. So the idea is now, for example, we have UBI, usage-based insurance. So that's one trend we see a lot of insurance companies really want to have car data to establish individual contracts for their customers. So if you are a good driver, you always drive like it's allowed, you have moderate acceleration, things like that, you pay, I don't know, various amount of money and if you're a aggressive driver hard accelerations driving fast in curves things like that then you pay more so that's really one easy thing which uh, the insurance industry is pretty interested in so we're uh, talking to various insurance companies about this topic that's one thing on the other hand uh, we can think 
pretty easy on location-based services. So you're driving around and you, you will see some specialized vouchers, for example. So if you go and fuel your car or charge your car on this place, you will get a free coffee, things like that. So that are pretty easy things you can think about talking about monetization of data. But I don't know how many solutions are there already. I don't know a lot of them. So they are already live and really producing money here. Yeah, but it's a major trend. As I said earlier, uh, every OEM now has to earn money with the connected cars. And for sure, the first thing will be monetize the data we have. For sure, they can just sell the data, but they are looking more into services where they can partner with other retailers or service providers really to produce money out of this data they collected over the last, uh, let's say, five to 10 years. And Danny, I'm going to bring you in here as well. Have you seen anything additional? I think Norm covered it really well, right? That the, the data is going to be really something that OEMs are still trying to figure out how exactly to monetize. But but I think the partnership piece that Norm touched on is really an interesting one, right? And, and it goes in many ways. In the transitionary phase, as we're actually going from where we're at today to really autonomous vehicle, which are entirely going to change how data can play within that space. But what are data points that OEMs can provide through their vehicle for their customers that are relevant with third parties? So we talked about refueling or, or charging the car. It could be with regards to shopping and so forth as well. It can also be through the infotainment system, and I'm separating what's the front one where the driver is versus infotainment system that we're going to see pop up more in the second row and third row for bigger vehicles. And how can you bring in elements there? So partnerships with Amazon, where you can have your whole Prime membership or whatever be tied in there. So OEMs are going to have to play a really interesting game between kind of like the vehicle as a new connected device within the consumer's hand, similar to a phone, but, but still not exactly the same. And then also the vehicle as really a data hub with regards to the idea around transportation or, or, or movement and mobility and, and how different data sets tied to that can be really brought into different players externally. Our OEM is going to build up entire marketplaces around their specific data set connected to the vehicles. And again, on the individual vehicle as a point of contact with consumers or the aggregate of all vehicles and the vast information that they have that is of value out of that. Of value to, for example, cities that are trying to figure out how they can decongest their streets more or how they can really aid with regards to cleaner air in their environments or government institutions in the broader sense. And then, like I said, really big players. So we're going to see a lot really happening still around the whole data set. That that's going to be one of the biggest frontier that the industry is going to try to figure out and hence, uh, I'm sure we're going to see new players actually coming in specifically just around that. And we're also going to see established players like Google, Apple, and so forth, really trying to continue what they've already built around data in the vehicle space as well. I really like the idea of the expansion of the smart city like you just touched upon the Denny. Norman, did you want to drop in something else? Yeah, I just wanted to add something. On the one hand, uh, for sure, we have other partners and way to monetize the data. But there's also one thing uh, the OEMs already using, which is uh, analyzing the behavior of their drivers. 
so the analyzing the behavior of their fleets. And they are really using this data. For example, there's the idea of uh, function on demand, where you really build in hardware for a car, but which is not activated. So you need some piece of software you can buy to activate the feature. For example, you have a driver who is always driving in the night through on a road, which is in the woods, pretty dark. And you can sell this guy the night vision feature. So you already have built in this feature with your radars and other sensors. And you see, okay, this guy is always driving in the night on dark roads. I can sell him this night vision feature. You can also tease it. Okay, you have here this feature for five days, test it. And after that, you can buy that one. And this is also one way they really try to use their data they are collecting and monetize that. So really selling features after they already bought the car and see, okay, he's behaving like this, she's doing that, so let's offer that. I just want to end then on some conversations around the new business models that you've both kind of alluded to there, because as a digital agency, as a company focused on business transformation, we should probably touch on what's next for the OEMs and the manufacturers. Where can we add value, but also you know, why would they work with a company like us? And Denny, I'm wondering if you could jump in here, you know, what what are the next tangible steps that companies who are considering a move towards or transition towards these brands to becoming more software companies than product-based companies? What are the first tangible steps that they should be looking at to make that move? Yeah, great question, Tizzy. I mean, we touched about it on the whole data set, right? And, and when you talk data, the biggest value really around there or the biggest hurdles are the integration of the data. So how can I really bring one data set from here and one data set from here together and combine it into a more holistic data set? We're, we're seeing a lot of silos still within the industry, within the companies themselves, right? So the connected car team might not really be that connected with the marketing team, might not really be that connected with the sales or service team. But from a consumer standpoint, all those elements are going to actually have to come together to really provide the best experience. So Valtech really helps our customers in the sense of like changing from being a product manufacturing company to being more of a software thinking company. And, and that goes all the way from how they approach new tasks and, and projects, how they change internal workflows, but also all the way to the technology piece. How do they take some of the technology that they have today uh, and enhance it so that it can contribute better into the data set? Or how do they bring new technology in that, that really allows them to do that? So uh, there's a whole wide variety of, of kind of like tasks that really tie down to, again, digitizing the, the company as a whole, including really the business model and the workflow models that really go with that. Norm, anything from you that you'd like to add? Yes, yeah, so I absolutely agree with Danny. So we are working with companies which have a history about 50 or 100 years, talking about, for example, German OEMs. And for sure, they are really at the beginning of this digital transformation to being more a software company. So we have companies like Tesla. So they started as a software company and started building up a car. So on the other hand, we have engineering companies like VW, and they are now want to change to a software company and that's a long long way that's for sure there they have a lot of issues on the technical side where we can help for sure but they also have problems to change their culture 
So, and that's also one thing where we can help with. So we are really living this digital lifestyle. That's a crazy word here, but, um, mm -hmm. and that's really one thing we can really help our customers with. We can do projects where we integrate a lot of systems, really touching new ways for monetization, things like that. But we also can help to really uh, learn from a digital company like Valtech is how to live that. And that's also another point. So really changing the culture is really a big deal uh, for a lot of those OEMs. For sure, we have others like Tesla, which came from another standpoint. And then just to add one more thing to that, I think, you know, one value point that we really bring to our customers is that we're not just an automotive provider, right? We're not just a vendor that works within the automotive space. We work with government agencies that are relevant to the OEMs down the line in the future. We work with luxury brands that are taking really a focused approach on the customer experience and, and many other industries and knowledge bases that we have that are becoming more and more relevant to the automotive space as well, where we can bring learnings back from that, where we can bring experiences that were already built there that don't exist yet in the automotive space back to them as well. So it's really that offering of understanding everything around the customer and the digital customer that we can bring back to them. A great place to end. Denny, Norman, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about those 2022 trends. It's been great to speak to you and loads of awesome insights. So thanks again, and we'll chat to you soon. Thank you so much, Dizzy. Thank you so much for having us. You've been listening to the latest transformation series from Valtec Cafe. Hit subscribe to get access to our whole back catalogue of conversations. And if you'd like to know more about what we do, why not visit us at valtec.com for all the details. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>